Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Good morning, Vietnam! Welcome to the jungle, baby. Welcome to the jungle. Welcome to Two Dudes Movie Reviews. Mara, the meatloaf! You see what happens, Larry? How to get burned! How to get burned! How to get burned! They've done studies, you know. 60% of the time, it works every time. I am loving this. You are tearing me apart, Lisa! Come with me if you want to live. Gentlemen, you have my curiosity, but now you have my attention. Now, here's your hosts, Sky and Colin. Here's Johnny! Hey, moviegoers. You're listening to Two Dudes Movie Reviews with Sky. And got it. Yeah, get it out of the pew, way. Pew, 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 pew. Pew, 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 Cowboy pew, things. Pew, pew. <laughs> I reckon. <laughs> I reckon we're How- doing an episode right now. We are doing an episode. Howdy, swampies. <laughs> Ain't seen y'all tumbleweeds tumble through these parts before. <laughs> I reckon. We were in the city over the weekend, and an empty bag of like Lay's chips like blew across the street, and like did you video? Did you videotape it? No, but uh, that was beautiful the way the empty bag of chips just floated in the wind. <laughs> I was like, wow. Brianna was like, oh, that's so gross. I was like, you don't like the urban tumbleweed? <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. That city uh, definitely has some garbage on the sidewalks. <laughs> I don't know we're what we're talking doing. to you, Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> you go win another championship. I was say, yeah, hockey. Ah, hockey. Sports. Hockey. This is our hockey podcast. Sports guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, basketball is my sport. Well, it's not my sport. I have no stake in it. You own some jerseys. You own some swag. I own quite quite a few jerseys, a lot of hats, got yeah. some balls. The only uh, thing that I own that is basketball related is a Nets hat. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. All right. At least you're, uh, you're picking a good team. Yeah. Good stuff. I don't want to talk about sports on our movie podcast. <laughs> yeah. We don't really get to talk to each other. Ever. Not- yeah, or about anything besides movies. Basically, yeah. Yeah, we've made movies the uh, 100% like extent of our friendship. <laughs> it's like the core of our friendship. Without movies, we are nothing. <laughs> we used to talk about a lot of other things. We used to talk about video games. We used to talk about music. Yeah. Now, now it's just movies. Your fucking OneDrive isn't signed in. I don't understand how that could happen. <laughs> I'm not complaining about talking about movies. I'm not either. I'm just saying, maybe we got more catching up to do than we even realize. Maybe. That being said, we did just record an episode yesterday. Yeah. Already getting sick of you. (laughs) You know what? Two in a row. (laughs) Colin, get the fuck out of your house. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is my house now. I'm the captain. I'm the captain now. (laughs) That's right. You damn right. I'm very excited for this episode, though. Me too, because we are talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Now, I was Hollywood! <laughs> Hollywood! Oh, yeah! <laughs> Thread count! <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> if no one's listened to our Toy Story review, then that, why the fuck did you just say thread count? <laughs> <laughs> thread count. Yeah, no, I mean, I was actually thinking about it the other day. Quentin Tarantino movie coming out is almost an event. Yeah, it kind of is. Like, they come out so infrequent, like, in yeah. between each other. I think it's been four years between this and Hateful Eight. That's usually, like, a running theme. They're all, uh, except for, like, kind of early on, he was putting out quite a few. And then when Kill Bill happened, they were one year apart. Yeah. But then but, after Kill Bill, like, it was, it was a while. Mm-hmm. I think Kill Bill Volume 2 was 2004. 
2004. Wow. So 2004-2003, but Death Proof was 2007, so there's a three-year gap. Yeah, um, and then like a year or two later would have been Inglorious, right? Mm-hmm. But he's slowed, slowed down a lot, not in terms of quality, but he's just slowed down in terms of the movie that he's coming out. Yeah. But I like that, because he... Well, I know Hateful Eight was delayed for, for some reason. Was it? Or no, maybe it was maybe it was Django. I know one of them, it kept getting pushed back, I think by him, like, oh, it's not ready yet. I was going to say, that's one thing that is like, really great about him is he doesn't really cave to like the studio pressure like the, oh, there's I'm, no cave in that man i was i was gonna say like the only thing that i can really think of is how he wanted kill bill to be one movie yeah and the studio was like you're not releasing a four-hour kung fu movie <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. we're like you're good you're not that good come on don't do that to people i feel it, like with an intermission though because look at how successful actually i don't know how successful it was but like the I went to like opening night of the Grindhouse thing. Mm-hmm. That was crazy. I went to a midnight showing of the Grindhouse double feature. That's awesome. I it, remember it's awesome, but I didn't get home until like after four in the morning. <laughs> so it's like two Dedication. hour and a half movies. I remember seeing commercials for that like on TV, like advertising that. Yeah, I didn't see Death Proof until this year. Really? Yeah. Planet Terror is really the A show yeah. from from that movie combo, I think. Mm-hmm. But you know what? We're actually going to get into that because I believe when we're done with our review, we will be ranking all 10 Quentin Tarantino films. Because, yeah, we're doing 10. Right, because Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2 were released separately, so they count as one movie by his standards. Mm-hmm. But we have to count the countdown as 10 because they are two movies. Yeah. And one one part could have been better than the other. I Yeah, or, I agree. Or there could have been a movie that split between them. They, yeah, there really could have. Be crazy. I, I'm looking forward to that. And we're also doing, we've, we've been getting to some games lately on the show. We've had the Dirty 30 episode. Then we Dirty did 30. the uh, I'm Not Lying segment on the Lion King episode. That's and right. now we're getting into another game. I don't know what it's called yet. We're going to have to come up with a name for it. Maybe the Swampies can help us out with that. Oh, that'd be oh, a great idea. And, and it would be a great use of our new website, todosmoviereviews.com. Yep. We have a contact thing there. You could send us suggestions there. Or if you want to find our Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all of that is all linked on our website now. Yeah. So you can just fucking hit us there and give us some ideas for some names. I, I actually really like that idea. Right? That's a great idea. We're outsourcing. That Impromptu. way we don't awesome idea on the pod oh thanks <laughs> thanks bud quick on my toes but I'll, and on the futon <laughs> but yeah i basically i collected nine separate audience reviews i didn't do critic reviews i did audience reviews off of rotten tomatoes of course because the audience is the one who's really got the spark plug opinions yes on. but basically i'm going to read you off some of these reviews which are very very highbrow and, <laughs> uh, oh, of course. and and you gotta guess what movie it is now i'm gonna say this it's gonna be a lot harder for you than it was for me yesterday oh yeah yeah so i went three for seven if you if you can get two i'll be impressed Oh, I'm excited. This sounds fun. But before we do all of that, I just want to acknowledge and thank everybody for sticking out with us during our Summer Cram 2019. I can't wait for you to listen to that because I don't know if you could hear me. Oh, I, oh, I'll, I'll put you up in the mix, bro. <laughs> oh, thanks, I'll thanks put buddy. You, I'll put some bass on it. <laughs> Fred Durst it. Turn the mic, <laughs> Turn mic, the mic up, up, Scotty. <laughs> I can't hear myself in the monitor, dude. dude. <laughs> I don't make the rules. 
fuck seats. Fuck seats. <laughs> uh, we got to put a link up to that. Yeah, it's it's so good. Maybe we'll post that on our Facebook. <laughs> Apropos of nothing, not even movie related. Here's a clip of the full performance of Limp Biscuit at like Woodstock '99 or wherever that was. I hope Fred Durst is listening to this episode and he's like, "I made it." Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> You're a phony. <laughs> You're a phony. <laughs> that concert's so good. Uh, I can watch it right now. So good in the worst way. Absolutely. But mm-hmm. yeah, this is very close to the end of our summer cram. We only got a couple more movies left after this. Yeah. And then uh, we're hitting Oscar season, hopefully. Oh, <laughs> God, I hope so. I mean, hey, Tarantino drops a movie. He waits good time to drop it. Mm-hmm. I told you when we went and saw this movie, like, I'm sitting in the theater, and we got there early enough where I could actually watch all the trailers, but I'm sitting in the theater, and I was like, oh, okay, here are the movies that are, like, the Oscar movies. Like, you you started seeing some that you're like, okay, I could see, definitely see that being nominated for stuff. Assuming yeah. it's good, but they were just, they looked oscar Beatty movies a little bit. Yeah, I, when you see like the because it's listed as like that artist in films at uh, AMC, like yeah, you get those uh, interesting. That's how I saw the first trailer for Farewell was when I was seeing Midsummer. Yeah, which makes sense because they're both A twenty four as well. But I wasn't seeing trailers for that until I went and saw one of like the quote artisan films at yeah. AMC. I think it's funny they call them artisan films. <laughs> like, uh, well, especially with Tarantino, like he's not like he's like uh he's the most mainstream yeah, indie like, director. I, like I don't know oh, how to... for sure cuz he's like an indie director like everybody. It's like how do you call a fucking Wes Anderson movie like indie anymore where it's just it, it's like yeah. eh, I, I guess it his films feel it's stacked with A-listers. It was different before in the past when it was like there wasn't really like many A quote A-listers in his movies. Like we see Samuel L. Jackson now maybe as an A-lister, but he wasn't back then like in Pulp Fiction days or Jackie Brown. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he was popular, but like he's gotten super po- like he's blown yeah. up since then, even that's, more so. Yeah, that's what so. I mean. Like like he was still great then, but I mean, yeah. you say his name now and it's like yeah. yeah, nobody on this planet doesn't know who he is. <laughs> That's probably not true, but so, who? Yeah, <laughs> who's that guy? Samuel L. Hooson? <laughs> Mace Windu. Oh, yeah. I like that movie. Of course. Yeah, that's right. It's like... Purple lightsaber. He's been a part of so many franchises, though. Yeah. Because Marvel, too. Jurassic Park. Hold on to your butts, dude. (laughs) But, yeah, you guys got to hold on to your butts. This is going to be a good episode. With all that knowledge we've already dropped about Tarantino, and we're not even really into it yet. I don't don't know if I should say this later or now, but I guess I'll just say it now because we're talking about the A-listers. I keep seeing these stupid-ass articles Mm -hmm. about Leonardo DiCaprio. At least the way the article is written, it makes him sound like an ass for asking so much. And yeah. it's like, and it's like Leonardo DiCaprio was paid a jaw dropping like amount of money to star in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And then like you read the article and like he took a discount. <laughs> yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio gets paid $20 million per movie on any movie. Damn. Like, that's like his, that's the going rate. If you want Leo, you got to pay. That uh, makes sense. And, and he did it for 15. So I mean like still, he got paid a lot of money. Yeah. But like Robert Downey Jr. just made 75 million for Endgame. Yeah, like so, not like, not not the same. No, I'm like, why is everyone making a big deal about this? He took less than he normally would, probably because he really likes Quentin Tarantino working on those films. He's also very particular with what movies he works on. Yeah, and like everyone's just like, oh, he got paid too much. It's like, no, it's less than he normally gets paid, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So fuck most people is basically what we're trying to say. <laughs> but before we get too deep into the Hollywood Hills. I want to take a detour. I want to take the scenic route 
through those hills. So what I did for us is I rented us a nice convertible. Drop that top down, baby. What color is it? Fire. Pink. Oh, damn it. I was going to say that. <laughs> really you? stepped on you really stepped on my <laughs> on my fucking toes here, man. <laughs> now it's going to be now it's going to be like a soft yellow, like a like a banana runt yellow. Oh, like like Bumblebee. I love that movie. <laughs> Ooh, so what I did was I bought Bumblebee. I didn't get a Volkswagen Bug. I literally bought Bumblebee. The Transformer. Oh, wow. That's right. He's outside eating Doritos because product placement, baby. (laughs) And we're going to ride that fucking Bumblebee into the dirt, into the dirtiest of dirt. And the only place I can think of to go to find the dirtiest dirt is all the way in the trailer park, Swampies. (laughs) You should have been like, and we're going to take that all the way to... The Trailer Park, sponsored by Mountain Dew. <laughs> Code Red. Code Red. We gotta get sponsors. Snap into a Slim Jim Swampies. <laughs> oh, dude, we can do some killer ads. If you work for a uh, large company that's looking to sponsor some small potato podcasters, <laughs> yeah, you holler at us on our new website. <laughs> TwoDudesMovieReviews.com. <laughs> yeah, we're going to plug the shit out of that now. But what are we talking here? In we the- are talking The Irishman. Because that trailer came out. Now, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's how the show works. That's the connection for this. This movie came out, and just like how Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was released, a trailer for The Irishman was also released. So, so we got to do it. We got to do it. But now, what is the connection? I guess fucking fire directors uh yeah i think scorsese is probably like at least things that we could have done probably the closest to a tarantino yeah i'm trying to think of trailers that are out now where the directors are like on the same level as like the actors and stuff yeah and yeah so, oh, but i mean al pacino is in the irishman he's in this he's in once upon a time in hollywood oh, okay, so good, you know there you go there. robert de niro was in uh jackie brown yep so there we go that's another one uh i can go all day but i'll stop now <laughs> because I ran out. <laughs> I actually, full disclosure, haven't seen this trailer yet. You watched it though. Yep, I watched it. And you had told me that they it looks like they're referencing some real life people, yeah. which they also do in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, so, so there's, some, another, there's yeah. some connection. Might be loosely based on true story. I know they're using some real names of people who existed in the day, but yeah, I'm excited for Netflix to release a good movie. Honestly, this is something that I'm really looking forward to, and this will probably be our second Netflix review. I don't yeah. see anything else coming out that's going to make us do a Netflix review before this. You're a big fan of Martin Scorsese, though, right? Oh, yeah. Wolf of Wall Street. Who's not? I hate him. <laughs> what a hack. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, Wolf of Wall Street, Shutter Island, those are two, two of like my, yeah, The Departed. Well, yeah, the taxi oh, driver. G- Gangs in New York uh, was his... I'm trying to remember. There was one other. Oh, Casino. Yeah, Casino is awesome. This is one of those ones where I'm like kind of surprised it's going to Netflix based on just the the talent behind it. Yeah, but I think it is also being released in some theaters. It's okay. Is it maybe it's doing like a like a festival circuit first, then it'll go to Netflix. Probably because probably be out long enough so that it can get qualified for Oscars. I was gonna say they they definitely want it up for like Oscar season. Yeah, I I couldn't see them with all this talent. Dude, you got Joe Pesci coming back to you, movies. Really? Oh yeah, you're right. Damn, that's crazy. I, dude, that's that's pretty big. Like that lineup. You got you got the Goodfellas back together. Ray Romano's in this. Oh well, before I was I was on the fence whether I was gonna like this movie, but now I love it. Hey man, 
Hey, the, he's great. He was in a movie I really liked this year. Yeah, he was in he was in Paddleton this year, and then two years ago, I loved The Big Sick. Oh yeah, 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 really good. Yeah, you want to get into this? I'm actually really excited. I haven't watched this yet, and I really just want to get into this. Yeah, dude, let's uh let's peep that shit, bruh. <laughs> Hello? Hi, my friend. I got that kid I was talking to you about here. I love the peach. I'm gonna put him on the phone let you talk to him, okay? Hello? Is that Frank? Yes. Hiya, Frank. This is Jimmy Hoffa. Glad to meet you. Glad to meet you, too, even if it's over the phone. Our friend speaks very highly of you. Thank you. Only three people in the world have one of these. And only one of them is Irish. Oh my, these guys are such heavy hitters. It's yeah. insane. De Niro, Pacino, and Pesci. Yes, I do, sir. And Scorsese. What a fucking team. Yeah. I would be shocked if this is not good. Right? Not, like, I shouldn't even say good. It should be great. They're trying to pull us down. You might be demonstrating a failure to show appreciation. I know things they don't know I know. You can't miss the big picture. Sooner or later. Get the gun out of his hand! Everybody put here as a date when he's gonna go. Yeah, it definitely looks like they're going based on the true story. Yeah, like I was going to say, is it a bi biopic? Or is it... Yes, I would. So you cool. Well, Goodfellas was also based on... Yeah. He likes to talk, don't he? Dude, the heaters they got on this movie. Yeah. Crazy. It's coming this fall. I'm so excited. Yeah, man. This is this is one that you've actually been you've mentioned a lot when we have had our arguments about Netflix movies. You know, and if they yeah, but qualify. the Irishman, man, come on. <laughs> yeah. So you tell Scorsese that he didn't make a film. Yeah, who was that? Was that Spielberg? Yeah, Spielberg like hates that Netflix movies can win Oscars. Yeah, and I'm just like, fuck you, dude. What have you ever done for us, Spielberg? <laughs> <laughs> that is your real name. He uh he was on our list a lot. <laughs> we did yeah. our thirty movies. Yeah, he was. Touche. Yeah, this looks this looks really cool. Is this a based on a true story? Yeah. It is a true story? I think so. I wasn't sure if it was a true story or if it was something that was like putting a spin. Oh, like on, on an existing yeah. historical event. You know what? It's hard to tell from this because I don't know the story of the Irishman. Well, I'm pretty sure that was like a real situation. Jimmy Hoffa was killed, I think. And then... I'm not sure which one it is, but I think one of them is playing a hitman. Okay. And I think they're like investigating it or something like that. I think that's what it is. But again, I don't really know this story all that well. Yeah. There is a movie called Hoffa that's already out. That's like a biopic about it. So maybe that might be some good homework before this comes out just to see Yeah. a little bit of story. Or just let this tell you the story. Isn't it kind of weird? Is it on Netflix? What, is Hoffa? Yeah. I don't think so. Oh, it's not? Okay. I was just wondering because... When um shockingly evil and vile, whatever the hell it was called, yeah, extremely wicked, shockingly evil. Oh, and, and vile. it was it was like right after the Ted Bundy tapes, yeah, came out on there, yeah. It, it seemed like I it, think they do that on purpose. Okay, yeah, I was gonna say maybe Netflix does something similar where it's like they put that up and this in the same time period, so it's like you can watch that and the other thing or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, 
It seems weird, it's a, though. It's a good idea. Yeah, it is a good idea. It'd be better if there was like a... Uh, actually, the Hoffa thing might even be a documentary. I honestly don't know much about it. I just saw it somewhere on the internet, and I was like, oh, cool. Like, I might want to check that out. I, I wonder... This might be a little bit of a bummer, but like, if the Jimmy Hoffa murder is early on in the movie, that might be a little bit of a bummer because Al Pacino's playing Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah. So it's like, damn, he's not going to be in it that long. So no, hope, I hopefully think, it comes I think later. Yeah, or at least halfway through. Who are you most excited to see in this? Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci? Yeah. yeah. He's probably my favorite part about Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. Do you know who's also in this? Who? You're not going to guess it. Steve Irwin. How'd you get that? I just figured... <laughs> Well, who would be the last person I'd expect to <laughs> see in this movie? Anna uh, Paquin. I think oh, yeah, yeah. I saw her, yeah. saw her in the... Rogue from the original scene. X-Men movies. Yep, 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 yep. That's like, honestly, probably what she's most known for. <laughs> that and probably True Blood. Yeah. I'm looking forward to this. I don't really have a lot to say on it because, like I said, I just watched the trailer. <laughs> but yeah. I'm looking... For, the talent is undeniable. Yeah, dude. And, like, it looks good. It like, looks like it's shot really well. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, it visually looks good. Like, I, I really like all the different set pieces they have and, like, the kind of, like, the elegance of, like, some of these places and then contrasted with, like, some of, like, the more dirtier like The mob scenes and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is making me want to go watch that documentary just to know the story. Yeah, and, or, and, or at least read something, like, <clears throat> some articles or something about it. And you know what? Like, that's something that I wish I had done going into Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get into it a little bit more, but yeah, I think after seeing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and now for some of these movies, I'm gonna do my homework before I go and see them. Yeah, it is a fun thing when you already know the real life story, and then you get to see whether the movie is taking like some artistic license and changing things, or if they are just telling you the story. Because there's something exciting about both in very different ways. But if you're going into it blind, you don't know the story. Like I feel like it's going to be easier to just take it as is. Yeah. And maybe not understand if they made changes. Why do they make those changes? You know what I mean? I keep going back. The camera work looks really fucking good. Now that I'm just watching it, like yeah, that who- tracking shot right there looks yeah, so we're good. Pulling out from far back into the, in the uh, room. And it shows like the depth of that room and it makes, it makes all that space feel occupied. Mm-hmm. Even like, these shots like there's always people moving in the background and it makes it you know really feel like this isn't just on sets i mean maybe it is but they're they're utilizing space very well like Mm -hmm. everything feels like it's real you know i love the use of like lighting in this scene right there too yeah i mean you gotta expect some craft behind this movie yeah these slow-mo shots too like slow-mo is very like overutilized now but like this is done really well. Like, there's times where you watch slow mo and you could tell that Was it's this shot on film. Like, it it has a sort of feel to it that doesn't look like other movies that come out yeah. right now. Look at how good that shot looks right there. <laughs> like, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, it feels like everything just feels like real about it. Yeah. Like, it it doesn't look like post production added bullshit. I don't know. It just it just looks like different from other movies. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like yeah. this. You can see the style immediately just in the trailer. Yeah. Fucking cool. Robert De Niro actually like also looks really good. Yeah. He doesn't look as old as he definitely is. Yeah. <laughs> you don't look as old as a pile of dirt. <laughs> hmm. A yeah. face. Oh, that face. Yeah. I was going to say with the slow-mo, like there's scenes and especially like a bunch I've seen this year where like they're shooting at a frame rate and then slowing it down from there. And like you're seeing a little bit of frame like skippage and yeah. stuff like that. This, it looks like just the craft is behind it. Like they probably shot 
with the right equipment, <laughs> which yeah, I believe, which it. seems like it should be fucking like second nature, like you're a professional, do your job. But like, yeah, I've seen it a few times where it's like they clearly just had a shot, and they're like, this would be cool in slow mo, and they just slow it down, <laughs> right like, after the fact or something. Yeah. yeah, fuck yeah, dude, I'm excited for this. This is probably the only Netflix movie that's come out besides Velvet Buzz, all that I was actually like hyped for. Yeah, not a lot of those Netflix movies get. A lot of a lot of buzz leading up to him, but when Scorsese's like, "I'm gonna release a film and it's coming out on Netflix," everyone's like, "I'm listening." Yeah, and then he's just like, "Robert De Niro's gonna be in it, and Al Pacino, and Joe Pesci's coming back." <laughs> everyone's like, "What the fuck are you doing to us?" Yeah, Netflix has got to be loving that. Oh, dude, they're creaming, they're creaming their <laughs> jeans right now. <laughs> well, yeah, you got anything else? No, I don't. You want to get the fuck out of this trailer park? Let's get it. The- before someone puts a hit out on us <laughs> mafia motherfuckers so we're getting into the main event yes but before we get into the main event we're gonna play a game yeah you want to play a game yes i do i've got nine reviews here <laughs> okay i'm listening the combination of the safe is mixed in the middle okay the only way to get out of the room and solve the toxic gas bullshit oh no <laughs> i didn't realize it was toxic gas bullshit toxic, toxic gas bullshit <laughs> So yeah, I've taken, there's not a Once Upon a Time in Hollywood review in here. Okay. But the other nine films, there's reviews for all of them. Okay. So I didn't go off and do like like a Sin City or something like that. Like it's just his movies. Just the ones, his nine or his ten. So yeah, the nine. You don't got to tell me. I know them. You know? You want me to just tell them for the listener? No. This is how they find out. Okay. If you don't know by now, now you know. All right. So some of these range from a little bit easier. I think they're all hard. Okay. But some of them range from like, how the fuck would I know that? To like, maybe you can deduce a little bit. All right, let's do it. All right. So, excited. first time I ever clapped in the theaters before it was over, five stars. I'm going to say Kill Bill Volume 2. No. Damn. It was Bastards. Inglorious Bastards. Okay, I can see that too. I was thinking of movies that have like a, a big payoff for your protagonist mm-hmm. before the end of the film. Film, yeah. And it's funny yeah, because sense. when I saw Inglorious Bastards, like that too. Yeah, when I saw Inglorious Bastards, that happened twice. Really? Yeah, that's awesome. One part is one that's it's just like a flashback scene where mm-hmm. they just cut to the car of Nazis pulling up and they just mow them down. Yeah, the theater went ape shit. People were like, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> but okay, that one, that one, I put that one in there. That one's not really funny. There's some that I was dying at reading. Oh yeah, but but I put that one in there just because it was actually a positive review. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If you're not into Kung Fu, skip it. Go right to Volume 1, which summarizes the small amount of story that happens in Volume 1. Oh, come on. That's that's Kill Bill Volume 2. <laughs> it's Kill Bill Volume 1. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Wait, what? Let me read that again to you because I was losing it when I heard this one. <laughs> what are they talking about? If you're not into Kung Fu, uh-huh. skip it. Go right to volume one, which summarizes the small amount of story that happens in volume one. <laughs> but the, that's on volume one? Yeah. So it's saying skip volume one, just go straight to volume, volume one. one. And he's, Volume one will summarize what happened in volume, volume one. one. That is his, he's telling you to skip volume one. And just watch volume one. And just watch volume one. Because and volume <laughs> one summarizes volume one. It's, it's a really smart review if you think about it. I, I love it. I, as you were saying it, I'm just like, oh, I wonder if that was an accident that he just said volume one. So obviously it's volume two. Two. Yeah. No. You son of a bitch. I, I can't that, believe I, I thought that was so ridiculous. 
god <laughs> see these are the people who create that tomato score for us and that's why it's so wild and unpredictable this one might be my favorite oh god we'll see this was the one the legendary film that made tarantino the king of dialogue at least that's what everyone says about it i wasn't a fan two stars <laughs> <laughs> oh, that took a turn. That took a turn. Oh, no. Oh, they all have such good dialogue. Oh, no. That's a, my, my kid, I read that at work, and he was just like, he was like, what the change? <laughs> Jeez. The legendary film. I was not a fan. <laughs> yeah. I have a feeling it's somebody who went back and watched an older film, like someone who, who reviewed it now, but watched a film from earlier in his career. You want me to read it again? No. Is it Jackie Brown? Nope. Damn it. It's Reservoir Dogs. I really didn't want it to be that. Yeah. My heart just sank. sank. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I was thinking that. I'm like, that's like some of the best dialogue yeah. ever written down on paper. <laughs> you shoot me in a dream, you better wake up and apologize. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Fuck that person. I know. Fuck them. I know. Fuck them so hard. That is a... I'm telling you right now, Swampies, if you watch Reservoir Dogs and in your brain think this dialogue's whack, this movie's two stars, you don't need to listen to us ever again. <laughs> I don't want you. That movie is a fucking so, priceless so diamond. There's a few, there's like, I would say half of his movies. I'm like, that is a priceless diamond. Yeah. I, I'm, I think very highly of a lot of his films. Me too. This one... Just a regular review. And to catch to catch the Swampies up, I have now gotten zero correct. Yeah, yeah, zero. I you're told real, you they're going to be hard. You're a real asshole. I try to give you some But they're entertaining, ones. right? Oh, it's fun. Yeah. I hate it, but it's... Oh, damn. A ton of over-the-top silliness, although there are many parts where it doesn't quite feel like a Tarantino film. Death Proof? Yeah, you got it. Yes. All right. You're on the board. This movie is stupid. Tarantino has this magical way of giving you interesting characters with no plot and booing overdone cliche characters with an okay plot line in the same freaking movie. Two stars. Oh, no. Is it Pulp Fiction? No. Oh, good. That's Kill Bill Volume 2. Jeez, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's Kill Bill oh. Volume 2. Those are the two Kill Bill ones. I did one for each movie. Right, right. Yeah. I had one, though. I, I got rid of it because I was like, this doesn't tell you anything. There, This is one for Kill Bill. It was the first. No, no, this is one for Jackie Brown. Uh -oh. I'll just tell you. And it said, um, I fell asleep. <laughs> Four stars. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. But, but I was like, I can't put that. All right. Absolutely awful, awful film. Dull as dishwater and an actor once again playing the same baddie character. Absolutely rubbish film. Will never waste my time watching this again. <laughs> Half a star. <laughs> is it Hateful Eight? No. Is Django? It's Django. Damn it. The, Django was my first guess, and then I pulled away from it. It's Django. Like, it's funny, shit. though, because the actor that he had, because I placed it in there with and an actor, he's talking about Christoph Waltz. Christoph Waltz is a protagonist yeah, in that movie. Yeah, he's not even the bad guy in there. <laughs> fucking These fucking people, man. This, this, I love this one. I laughed out loud at this. A waste of my time, and the director is a hack. <laughs> <laughs> Hatefully? No, that's Pulp Fiction. No way! <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God! Uh, oh, I'm losing this game so hard. I said if you got two, I'd be impressed. All right. You, you, I think you got two left. Let's make this money. <laughs> yep. 
not the best Tarantino. <laughs> Four stars. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, no. Is that Hateful Eight? No. <laughs> Fuck. I mean, it's like I'll one right this whole time. That's Jackie Brown. That's Jackie Brown. And you got one more. Yeah, Hateful Eight. Yeah. Confusing, boring, and fell asleep at the first three chapters. The last two chapters is fine. Overall story's good, but you don't know what happened on the first hour of that movie. <laughs> you don't know, or... <laughs> he fell asleep yeah. there. <laughs> you don't know, because you were unconscious. <laughs> you fucking idiot. I have no idea what was going on in the first half of that movie. I was asleep. I read that verbatim, by the way, too. Jeez. Confusing, boring, and fell in sleep at the first three chapters. The last two chapters is fine. Overall story is good, <laughs> but you don't know what happened on the first hour of that movie. <laughs> we needed to get that person on as a as a contributor to the website. Thanks for that review, Dennis. <laughs> yeah, Dennis, find us on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. I slept through the first 45 minutes of the episode. Last 45 was fine. Not their best, but is still good, good. show. Five stars. <laughs> Thanks, well, fella. I'm, I'm glad we did that just because I'm I not. Got a, I got a great laugh out of that. Oh, dude. <laughs> some of them you read and you're like, this is so annoying. And then some of them you just laugh at because it's like, that was the least. These are people. I said, Th- that's I said what people my, are. I was like, this person logged on in 2013 to write four words and give it a not Tarantino's best. <laughs> Three words, I guess. <laughs> four stars. <laughs> oh, what a tool. Yeah. People are the worst. Some of the movies were really hard to find negative reviews on or just reviews that didn't make sense. Like Kill Bill Volume 2, almost all of them were like coherent. There was a, most of them were coherent and most of them were very positive. That's good. And like that, that makes sense. And that's how it was for most of them. Like I would say Inglorious Bastards was pretty hard to find one on. Uh the first Kill Bill, uh Reservoir Dogs, uh Pulp Fiction, those were all like pretty difficult to find a negative one on yeah i saw plenty of negative reviews for hateful eight hateful eight death proof were a little a little easier yeah because i uh i watched that movie today and then i looked at the reviews for it and i was like wow some people really hated this movie yeah and other people really loved this movie and when we rank it you will find out where it fell for me before i watched it i hadn't heard a single good review like from people i know really i don't know anybody- you know who saw it Hated it. Yeah. But what did I tell you when I walked in? That you loved it. Yeah, I fucking loved it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, damn, this is awesome. So we're talking once upon a time in Hollywood. So stoked for this movie. Yeah. Much anticipated. Another movie with a fucking crazy cast. Mm-hmm. Like crazy cast. Two of my favorite actors and actresses. Yeah. Are in this. Uh, I mean, I love Margot Robbie. I liked her before that, but I Tanya was really when I was like, holy shit, like she's amazing. Dude, Suicide Squad for me. Yeah, Suicide Squad was unbelievable. That, that scene where she reminded us that they were the bad guys, I was like, oh yeah. Yeah. I, what would we do without her? The best party city commercial ever. Oh, dude. <laughs> but for real, though, she's great. She is great. Uh, Leo's amazing. Leonardo, Leonardo and, DiCaprio has to be probably top three, top five for me. Yeah, and he's. He did Django and stuff, so like he's worked with Tarantino before. Brad Pitt's worked with Tarantino before and Inglorious. Yep. Stuff. So, also, I think I said this to you yesterday, and I was like, I'm not sure if I want to say it on the pod, but I'm doubling down. Yeah. If Brad Pitt in real life is half as witty, charming, and funny as he is in Tarantino movies, I'm gonna fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> like for real, it's just gonna happen. It's gonna happen. I'm be like, well, I have to. <laughs> <laughs> You know what's funny? 
I was surprised that uh, one of the connections in the cast was The Girl Next Door. You remember that movie? Yeah, I do. Emil was... Hirsch, uh, he plays Jay Sebring. Oh, in this. okay. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. Timothy Oliphant, who plays James Stacy. They were both in that movie together. Wow. Was, reunion was... of sorts. Yeah. <laughs> I thought of all movies. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. You got Bruce Dern. Yep. He's in this, and he's in Hateful Eight. Mm-hmm. Austin Butler, who plays Tex, we just talked about him. He was in The Dead Don't Die. Yeah, yeah, you're mm-hmm. right. Dakota Fanning's... She's more of like a cameo. Haven't seen her in a long time. There's a lot of cameos. Yeah. I didn't I was looking for this person the whole movie. I didn't see her, but um Harley Quinn Smith, Kevin Smith's daughter's in it. Yep, I saw her. She she's at the ranch when I figured Brad that's Pitt when shows she was. There. Yeah. And Lena Dunham was there too. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people. Th- th- there was a lot of people who also have like worked with Tarantino that just like, popped in real quick. Well, that's why I think it might have been. Kurt Ju- Russell is is in here very yeah. briefly. Yeah. I like I liked his stuff. One person that is an she's an up and comer, but I loved her in this. Julia Butters. She plays Trudy, the little girl that's sitting next to Leonardo DiCaprio's character during his break. Yeah, that whole exchange between the oh, two she of was them, really I good. loved that. Yeah. yeah. The last person we're going to talk about is Al Pacino. <laughs> yeah, save save the worst for last. Yeah. Pacino, who some nobody they picked up off the street. Why is he in this thing? I did not want to see this. Yeah. But no, he was a very small role in it. He is a small. I thought he was going to actually be a bigger role in this. Yeah. But that's one of the things about Tarantino movies. I just I love these ensemble casts where you like you get excited just seeing these people that you love just pop up. Yeah. And like yeah, like most of the screen time is eaten up by Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio in this movie, but yeah, for sure. Everyone that comes in is like, for the most part, you get excited about almost everyone that like comes on the screen. And you're like, oh, I know that person. Oh, that that's like so many people want to be involved in his movies. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's awesome. But we're still trying to get in. Yeah, that'd be great. He's only got one more left. It's our last chance. He's got one more of like his movies left, but he's already like he's doing a Star Trek movie. Yeah. And I think he signed on to do Smurfs three. No. Yeah. You didn't see that? No. You really didn't see that? Bro, pull it up. I No. Yeah, dude. <laughs> really? Smurfs three, baby. Oh my god! It's, it's not set for like another like couple of years, but still, right. that's kind of ridiculous. But maybe he's it's just... also not true. Oh, <laughs> son of a bitch! I wasn't gonna look it up because I was gonna get upset. Well, you don't have to get upset. Thank God. You can only be upset that I'm a liar. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> don't put it past him. No, he did say that after his ten movies, he's gonna go off and do some some weird shit. I'm down with that too. Yeah. Written and directed by Quentin Tarantino. Smurfs 3. <laughs> Bloody buddy bang bang. So where do you want to start with this? We talked cast. Well, I mean, we've already talked about Tarantino a fuck ton. Yeah. You want to go into some like meat and potatoes of this movie? Like, Yeah, I, I guess that's a good place to start because... How about that aesthetic? Oh, so good. Nails it. He does such a good job with nailing the look of an era that he's working in. Mm -hmm. We were talking before we recorded, like, Jackie Brown came out in mid to late 90s. Yep. And he made it look like a 70s exploitation film. Mm -hmm. And And Death Proof looks super, like, grindhouse, like, you know. Yeah, he fully understands the era he wants to work in and captures its essence with his own style. And it's so cool to watch just unfold. And even the same thing with like Django and hateful eight, like the way that those movies look like they look like of the time that they're living in. Like, yeah, really the production design on all his movies is, is amazing. Yeah. Also, he must have like gotten super drunk one night or fucking high out of his mind and just watched like old westerns because he's made like three <laughs> like back to back. 
yeah. that are surrounding like Western, like started with Django and he's like really heavy into like all the lore of like the bounty hunters of the West. And then he continues that in hateful eight and it's more bounty hunters of the West. Like, well, she, they got a bounty for this much and this much. And then you go to once upon a time in Hollywood and Leonardo DiCaprio's character. Yeah. He's famous for having played a bounty hunter in the wild West on TV. Yep. That's not when the movie takes place, but like half the time you see, Leonardo DiCaprio, he is dre- he's dressed the part because yeah. he's playing on a movie or a show or something. Some people consider the Kill Bill movies like pseudo westerns. Also, they're like kung fu spaghetti westerns. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he must have just like got on a real kick of watching like John Wayne movies and was just like, ah, this these are the only movies I make now. He he was heavily influenced by like a lot of um directors that were mainly doing spaghetti westerns and stuff like that. Also, coincidentally, like one of them. The last name is Margariti, who they reference in Inglorious Bastards. Oh, yeah. Margariti, which is like one of my favorite scenes in that whole movie. And then there's another, I'm blanking on the name, but they they reference him in this movie also. And uh, I think the name of that director is the guy who directed a movie called Django, like way back in the day that he watched. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. But yeah, no, the aesthetic of this movie is awesome. And I mean, this movie really feels like you can tell, like, obviously he's a huge lover of film and like all things film. Yeah. And this feels like an ode to like old school Hollywood golden age. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I actually like I was really interested what the story of this was going to be because they didn't really tell you much in the trailers. Yeah, and stuff. very vague. There was a lot of controversy just based on the trailers because they're like Sharon Tate's in it. Like, oh, are you going to be exploiting? Yep the like the manson murders or something like that like they were which has been like a problem just in general like sharon tate's sister is still alive and like denounces like all these movies that try and touch the subject oh really yeah but she actually was okay with this she liked how this movie was like it's like one of the only movies that she was like okay with the use of her sister well I'll get to why I think it's okay and why I think it's well, bullshit yeah. if people are upset about it. Well, yeah, I mean that all comes in the end. Yeah, but. We'll, we'll we'll get to that. But I yeah I was uh I was really interested in what the story was gonna be, and the way that the story plays out, I felt like I didn't know the direction the story was going gonna go into. I didn't know the direction the story was going to go in until literally like the last like 10 minutes of this movie. Yeah. And like it all happens at once, which is kind of similar to that's very much his style. It is slow burn for a long time, but with some of the best dialogue ever written mm-hmm. and some of like the most lived in characters you'll ever see on screen. Yeah. I was sitting in the theater and I've read reviews that people like I was super frustrated the whole time. The movie didn't seem like it had any purpose. And then like really quickly at the end, it wraps it up and blah, blah, blah. But like I, you know, I didn't know the direction they were going in, but I was never like disinterested. This movie had me riveted the entire time. Like I was super invested. The dialogue is is like I love the characters. I love the dialogue. And it just it had me the whole time. And now I said this when we left the theater to Brianna rewatchability on this movie, I think is going to be through the roof. Like I'm going to love this movie even more the second time I watch it. Yeah, probably. You think you, you I feel think, that? I think so. Yeah. I feel it in my bones. Yeah. The only thing that I will say, and um, I told this to my brother, I think you should know the Sharon Tate like murder story and the and the Manson family stuff. Oh, for before sure. you go into this, it because made if it you more don't, exciting for yeah, me. Yeah, if you don't know that, then some of the like the things that happen, especially towards the end, won't have as much weight to it. Right. And it does something similar to what Inglorious Bastards does. But with Inglorious Bastards, I think that's much more well known. Like yeah, obviously like across the board. So like that was probably universally more like holy shit. 
type thing. Yeah, this this one you might have to have a little bit of knowledge, especially like any like younger moviegoers. Yeah, might have to like look out for that stuff. That my audience was mostly people well older than us. My audience was like awesome. Yeah, it, I mean it was opening weekend in New York City. Oh, just cool! Packed, packed house and everyone yeah. was just losing their shit. Yeah, of course. Most of the things they were losing their shit over though was uh, like the the comedy, which if you want, you want to get into that, yeah, this movie. This is the funniest Quentin Tarantino movie in my opinion. Um, you might actually be right. Okay, I was you gonna... might actually be right. I'm trying to think. I mean, yeah, he has a lot of humor yeah. in all of his movies, but yeah. this movie felt like a comedy before Inglourious, anything else. Inglorious Bastards has a lot of comedy, but it is, I think, more steadily violent. Yeah, and crazy, and then Django. Definitely has like other things that kind of like weigh down the tone a little bit, not in a bad way, but it's just a different tone. I feel like a lot of like the comedy in his movies though also comes across as like the ridiculous. Like even yeah. like even like Kill Bill and stuff, there's like really over the top like kung fu stuff that like you laugh at just because it's so ridiculous. Right. The comedy in this felt way more witty. Like oh for sure. There's there's one scene with Brad Pitt and someone who's playing Bruce Lee. Oh, that's great. And it is literally. At, at the minimum, five minutes of ramp up for one line that makes you laugh. Yeah. Like, that whole thing plays out, and then he's just like, yeah, I can see that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't want to, like, go through the whole thing, but... Oh, it it is great, though. It's so... Oh, dude, that whole thing is so funny. I love... He's fighting him, and Bruce Lee, every time he's about to do a move, he's all doing like, Whoa! <laughs> And Brad Pitt's still just standing there with his hands up, and he just goes, Oh! Like, just so quick and light. <laughs> yeah. Just, oh! so awesome everything about that had me dying like there's there's a few sequences in this that this this might be the most i've laughed in the theater this year yeah yeah uh, I, I laughed a lot definitely laughed a lot i actually saw this with megan we had a nice little movie date and she laughed so loud at one point she like had to quiet herself down which part was it because there was an there was one part i i lost it at also me and brianna just died oh man was it the trailer sequence it might have been because that was phenomenal. Uh, when he gets to his trailer? When he gets into his trailer, when he fucks up and he just melts down. And he's like, he's like, if you don't get your lines, I'm literally going to kill you Oh, tonight. yeah, that was great. <laughs> I, I laughed out loud really hard during that. He's looking, at, he's looking at himself in the mirror. Yeah. He's like, you're done with the booze. I swear to God, like, I'll put a bullet in your fucking head. And then he but grabs the flask and chugs it and throws the flask through the yeah, window. Yeah, like he gets, like he starts drinking it and he's just like, oh, what am I doing? Like, yeah. That was really good. His his character felt, at first glance, he almost seems like a caricature because he's so like crying and like flipping out and stuff. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like that might be an actual portrayal of how like some like action stars are. Like you have oh, like yeah. an action star in Hollywood who like in their films is super like brawlic into that. But then when you yeah. get to them, they're like super insecure, like sensitive and shit like that. Like, yeah, I felt like his character, even though he feels a little bit like a character is probably more real than you actually think. Like yeah. he's probably based off of some actor that Quentin Tarantino actually knows. Probably maybe. And I'm sure a lot of that is partly played into by Leonardo DiCaprio. He's like, oh, I can totally like feel what this is like. You Brad know? Pitt's character is based on an actual stunt double. Oh, really? Yeah. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. I guess just talking about the acting, though. like, Oh, everybody they acts bring the it. shit out of this. Yeah. It's so good. I uh, I sent like a little non-spoiler review to one of my friends who's seeing it on Monday. And yeah. He's like a huge like Quentin Tarantino buff. He actually did his thesis on Tarantino. Whoa. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is amazing. In this movie, like amazing but everyone's favorite character is gonna be brad pitt oh 100 <laughs> percent. 
dude. All right. So first Leo, he's like the perfect person to play an actor playing somebody. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you're watching Leonardo DiCaprio play Rick Dalton, but he's playing Caleb Dakota. Yeah, Dakota. <laughs> except it's not Dakota. I love I that thought, part. <laughs> thought it was pronounced Dakota. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's and he starts crying and he's reading the when he's talking about the book yeah. to her and everything. Yeah, so good. But the the scene that they shoot where he's like got her on his lap and like holding holding ransom and everything. Yeah. That whole scene, amazing. Yeah, amazing. My I think my also favorite- R R I P Luke Perry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not so much that part where he's holding a ransom, the part right before that where it plays out the whole beginning of the episode and then it gets to like the part where we're and at the round line. table. That whole scene, because one, it's Leonardo DiCaprio, who's a phenomenal actor, playing a shitty actor, yeah. overacting, then messing up his lines. So right there, that's amazing. But also just like the camera work that Quentin Tarantino does where like it's it's one taking this scene for the movie and then they fuck up and the camera rolls back to where it was then goes yeah. again and now all you're one watching take. it from the TV cameras Cam- yeah. camera as opposed so it transitions perfectly from like this is the movie this is the movie camera that we are viewing mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden we're watching it through the TV camera's eyes that's that's my favorite shot or like take of the year and I love that and it all feels really fluid and like the way that like it, it like moves through the mm-hmm. the bar and like it's swinging around them and stuff like that like well when you're watching it the first time before you fucks up you're like this is just quentin tarantino phenomenal camera work but then yeah. when it, it's like fuck can we take it and it goes back i'm like oh shit that's awesome yeah like- <laughs> really cool man fucking yeah very interesting movie and i think you get away with a lot of that and i think that's probably why he wanted to play in this setting because you can kind of bend the viewer's sense of reality of like, what are we really looking at here? Are we watching them in the scene or are we just watching like, quote, the show like that they yeah. shot? Like what what's happening? And yeah, that moment when he's just like, line. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then it breaks the whole thing. Like, yeah. And when when he finally gets that line out, he do, it's the delivery is so bad. Yeah, <laughs> they're just like we got he's got it. like an eyebrow raise in it too and stuff. Oh yeah, no, he does a lot of really weird <laughs> things with his face throughout all of these scenes. Yeah, I his character made me laugh so many times in this movie. Yeah. The one part that had me dying early on when they're kind of like setting up the character, they like show him like basically just he's a huge movie badass, and they show him with a flamethrower, and then he just starts coughing. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, it's really hot. Can we get rid of that? And he's like, he's like. It's dude, it's fired. a flamethrower. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and dude, the payoff for that flamethrower. Oh my! But the literally, whole, my oh. whole theater was cracking up. Yeah. Like, people were like clapping. Mm-hmm. They're like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. Like, that is since I've seen the movie. I heard people gasping. Like it, everybody reacted to it. Okay, you want to just talk about that? Yeah. The finale of this movie. Amazing. It's the it's best. Incredible. It's the best. It's fucking so good. <laughs> It gives you like everything you want, really. Because yeah. one, it's it's super cathartic, especially if you know the story, like we were saying, because it changes the history of what happened to Sharon Tate and stuff like that. Yeah, and it's really the Manson family. Yeah, because the whole thing is that Rick Dalton lives next to Sharon Tate and Roman Polanski. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that ending for him, like, oh, what a good. The, the ending hit me, and like, like I it's said, so like, good. Yeah, it's so fucking good. Yeah. This movie's really fucking good. <laughs> Just so everybody's aware. The it was funny though because like I had read Twitter reactions from like the or the first screening of it, yeah. And they're basically just like, "Once upon a time in Hollywood" is like a hilarious, like amazing, bloody, just triumph basically. 
Yeah. But they said bloody. And nice. I'm sitting in the theater. And I'm like, there really hasn't been any blood. And then that last like five minutes, I'm just like, oh, oh my God. Oh, it goes <laughs> insane. But I keep. I How keep... many times did he hit that, that woman's face against oh. everything in the house? I heard people laughing and like also gasping. And then I heard people next to me just going, oh my God. <laughs> I love that. I love that type of stuff. The part that keeps sticking with me. And it's funny because like, we talk about midsummer and stuff like that. There's visuals in movies that have like they're burning your brain. The one that keeps coming back is to me the with girl this floating one, in the pool. No, it's it's and it, every time I think about it, it makes me laugh. It's just Leonardo DiCaprio walking out of the little shed with a flamethrower on his oh, back. Oh yeah, dude, <laughs> it just kills <laughs> <It's> me. So <laughs> funny. Oh, that's great. And earlier, Brad Pitt goes to his house to fix his antenna, and you can see the flamethrowers <laughs> on the ground there. And I went. Oh, that's definitely coming back into play. Like, there's no way that's just there as like a funny thing. Like, oh, he's get it. He kept the flamethrower from the movie. I'm like, someone's getting flame thrown at. Yeah, <laughs> I was so hyped for it. So hyped for it. It's uh, yeah. The, the end. The payoff. The payoff is so good. Oh, and Brad Pitt tripping on acid and sicking the dog. Like, you can't tell like how functional he really is through mm-hmm. all that. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And the dude's pointing the gun at him. He's just like laughing, like. <laughs> yeah. And he's got a finger gun pointing at the other guy, like not taking him serious. You had a name. Uh, something I remember is like Rex, but like something like stupider than that. Yeah. <laughs> This <laughs> is so good. Yeah, like what you were saying, Leo acts the shit out of his I mean, everybody acts the shit out of their role in this, but Brad Pitt's character is the one you really love from yeah. this movie. I loved him in this movie. I loved both of them. I found Brad Pitt's character just more likable. Oh, yeah. But like, he was just like so charming and just yeah. nice and like down to earth, being like, you know, this is his rich movie star friend, and he, like, lives in a trailer, like, behind a drive-in theater. Yeah. He's not even, like, he doesn't, I was waiting for there to be, like, here's the Brad Pitt scene where he does some crazy stunt. He's just, like, his chauffeur. Yeah. <laughs> He's just, like, yeah, his exactly. best friend chauffeur. Yeah. And you almost, you almost expect, most movies would have been, like, oh, they're best friends, and then there's a divide, and they get into an argument, and then they come back together in the end. Mm-hmm. But that's not how Tarantino tells story. No. And that's super, like tried and cliche so instead they just stay really good friends throughout the whole movie and it's really awesome Mm -hmm. you talked about like the payoff at the end like there's the whole like bloody violent cathartic part of it insanity but but, but then at the end the last shot of the movie literally hit me in the feels like i was so happy for his character yeah because the whole time he was just saying he's like you see that i live next to roman fucking polanski it's like all it'll take is one pool party and i'm in there and i can be in the next polanski film Mm -hmm. and the way it ends is one of the her uh her guests is like at the gate like what happened and he's just like oh like these fucking hippies oh i loved all the hippie stuff too like he's just like these fucking hippies (laughs) (laughs) Then he gets on like the intercom with Sharon Tate, and they're like, "Is that that's Rick Dalton?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, that's me." Like, do you want to come up and have a drink? And he's just like, "Yeah, I would like that a lot." And like, it's just so nice. And then also like that whole thing that the subversion, knowing the story and being the whole movie, I was just like, "Oh no!" Like, and they do a really good job making you sympathize with Sharon Tate, and she really doesn't say much of anything in this movie. She has like six lines. She's which is a little underutilizing for her, but I see why that is and I see the positive impact it has on the the greater story. I have pros and negatives to her character in this. 
my biggest negative is that she didn't get a lot of time. Yeah. But my biggest positive is I think by not trying to tell us who Sharon Tate is, like if you want to know about the real story, you can find that information. Mm-hmm. He made this movie centered around them knowing what the payoff was going to be at the end. So it, it almost subverts our expectations even more so because we're expecting to see more of Sharon Tate because we think that the ending is going to be her murder and the real life thing that happened. Yeah, I thought I thought because they even show him in the trailer. I thought that Charles Manson was going to be in this a lot more. Also, no, he's, he's really in one in scene, one, in one scene. shot. Yeah, and then the rest of it is just this ominous kind of lingering feeling of just like yeah. Ugh. My and it's really one of my only complaints of the whole movie. The movie's a little too long. Oh uh, yeah, it's like two hours forty five minutes. Yeah. That's like all of his stuff now. Yeah, it's, like it's super it's, long. It's all long. Django was that long. I think Inglorious was like two and a half. Mm-hmm. Fucking Hateful Eight was two hours forty like seven. Jackie Brown's pretty long too. It's like two and a half. Yeah, but like, like they, they all have a yeah pretty lengthy runtime. I feel like this was a little too long. I know the Sharon Tate part of the movie is integral to the payoff of the movie. Yeah, but either I would have liked to have seen her have a little bit more in the movie. Yeah, definitely. Or or maybe there's a few parts you could have taken out. Yeah. And that maybe not so much with her character, although I do think that no, especially seeing the end of the movie and stuff, she doesn't really she's not she's not the important part of the movie. Right. Which you don't know when you start watching it because you're expecting the Manson related stuff to yeah. come into play. Yeah. It does, just not the way that we know history played out. Now, I see people getting all pissed off because they're like, oh, well, like, this is like a male centric led movie and like your women in it aren't getting any screen time and stuff. But l- let me just put it this way if Sharon Tate was a focal point of this movie and he was just really playing around with the person and stuff like that and basically like taking liberties, yeah. don't you think people would be way more offended with that? Yeah, dude, especially because this is somebody who can't protect her own legacy herself, obviously, now. And, oh, you want to talk about protecting legacy? I really liked the fact that they used real footage from her her in the movie. Like, they didn't superimpose Margot Robbie in, I think it was The Wrecking Crew, was the movie that it it was. Yeah. Yeah, They showed a couple of hers. Like, there was, I think, two different movies in there. But they, uh, they didn't try to place Margot Robbie in that. They let you see them next to each other, essentially. And it didn't hurt me at all in suspending my disbelief. I really liked that they didn't tamper with the footage. And it does make sense because of like the love Quentin Tarantino has for film to not tamper with an mm-hmm. original film and leave Sharon Tate in a movie. Like to edit her out, I feel like would be an, in- an injustice to her life or death. Yeah. You know? I didn't know that her sister was like actually cool with this or whatever, but yeah. like that's probably a big reason why too. Just like him being very careful and not taking liberties with a real person who existed and died a tragic, yeah, horrible way. I I kept thinking while I was watching it because I I knew that that was a backlash already. Yeah, and I I kept thinking while I'm like this isn't exploitive at all. I know, right? And you would almost expect it from Tarantino, Tarantino to yeah. to not really care about that and like be very exploitive because mm-hmm. he has done that yeah. a lot. Look at how egregious the use of like the N-word is in essentially all of his movies. That's another positive. They don't say the N-word once in this movie. Yeah. Now, a big negative is there's also no representation in this movie. Yeah. I didn't even think about that, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. It really you really are watching white men run around Hollywood. Yeah. Which I can see people being like, oh, well, that's not great. But 
if you're looking at that time, like and Hollywood and like, Hollywood in that era, like yeah, it's a it's an unfortunate reality that historically they probably wouldn't have been a lot of of black actors and stuff on set with them and mm-hmm. they're yeah so how much of it is really trying to stick with the authenticity of the setting and how much of it is really just like come on man yeah not that tarantino has a history of like i don't cast black people in my movies like you know no. he's had black leading men I, in his honestly films. honestly i would i would argue that tarantino is actually very progressive yeah he's got i think three female female leads Oh movies, yeah, if I'm counting right, and I mean, and people try to point out he, like there's been yeah. a lot of racial stuff that's that's definitely not kosher, but at the same time, right. like he's done like a lot of things that like other directors unfortunately don't do. Yeah, like absolutely. which is which is which is wrong. But like, what other director would ever make a movie like Django Unchained or like Kill Bill? I feel yeah. Kill Bill's another movie where they like she's just badass. Yeah, she's just an awesome badass character. And there's there's never a thing. All the, all the assassins except for one is, or oh, except for two, I guess, if you're counting Bill, are women. Mm-hmm. And it's all strong women. And it's never a discussion about like, you could be stronger if you were a man or something stupid like that. Like everybody's just like same same playing field. Yeah. But yeah, man, I mean, I didn't, I didn't find this movie exploitive the way that people were making it sound or like people were expecting it to be. Yeah, no, for sure. I think he did a really good job. And again, when you don't know that big twist at the end, it does feel like you're like, man, I really wish I was seeing more of her. But then when you know it and you realize like, oh, this movie was never really about her. She is there as a symbol of just pure innocence. And it's almost setting you up to feel horrible for what you believe is the future of the film Mm -hmm. to totally subvert your expectations and give you that crazy payoff. You don't feel bad for them as they're getting ripped apart by his dog. Dog. No, you don't. Or set ablaze because you're just like, yeah, you're the pieces of shit who in real life actually did murder those innocent people yeah he doesn't use their like well actually like tex was the one guy's actual real name oh really yeah but then and sadie yeah i think i think they like he like switched like their oh, last names around and did stuff you like notice that. somebody in their crew the girl who drove off mm-hmm. well once she's in stranger things the newest season yeah uma thurman's daughter yep yeah very cool yeah Again, another like reimagining of what happened. Yeah. In real life, when when those murders were committed, there was four of them, but one of them stayed back to watch the car. And this one, she does watch the car, but she drives away. Like it's like a play on it, kind of. Yeah. So that's that's an actual thing. There were four of them. Then only three went into the buildings and stuff like that. Yeah. I loved all the references to like actual Hollywood movies and like shows and stuff like that. Yeah. They reference Batman. They Green reference Lancer, Green Hornet. The sequence we we're talking about with Bruce Lee. It was supposed to be an actual day on the set of I'm pretty sure it was Lancer was what the, the show they were saying. But like so. the suit he's wearing matches up with like the character and stuff. So they're like, oh, that's oh, awesome. Oh, so like you're supposed to know that was on the set of this movie. Yeah. Stuff like that. Like. That's really I like cool. That. Just like little Quentin Tarantino weird things. I love the post credit scene with red apple cigarettes that had me dying. Have you oh, ca- did you catch that? I didn't know there was a post credit scene. Oh, you missed it. Oh, it's, wait, when was it? It's like, like right it, after, or yeah, it's maybe like a minute after the the credits start rolling. Oh, maybe no. I saw. Wasn't it like um, it pulled out from the driveway and everything, and then it 
it played for a while, but it was like stuck on like a frame, wasn't it? No, for a minute? You, you you would know what it was. Damn it. Yeah. Uh, I can't believe it. Okay, well, you want me to tell you? Yeah, yeah. So Red Apple Cigarettes is a made up cigarette company in all of his movies. Or like oh, really? Them. Yeah, like there's a big billboard for it in one of the Kill Bill movies. Okay. Uh, I'm pretty sure Red Apple is being smoked in I wanna say it's Jackie Brown. So the post credit scene is a fake commercial where Rick Dalton, Leonardo DiCaprio's character, is yeah. the spokesperson for Damn Red, it. Red Apple That's Cigarettes. So awesome. And it's in black and white. And it's funny because like it's such a shitty commercial. And yeah. and they've got like two slogans, which makes no sense. But he's basically just like, I'm Rick Dalton. Like, if you want to smoke a cigarette, you gotta smoke red apple cigarettes because they're like the best and then like one of the tagline is not as much burn on your throat like and like <laughs> and then they've got another one he's like yeah so if you're gonna like smoke a cigarette like like smoke a red apple and he's got like a standee of him with like the pack of cigarettes behind him yeah and they're like okay cut and then he goes this fucking cigarette tastes like shit and he throws it down on the ground and he goes he goes and who the fuck took this picture i've got a fucking double chin right now and he fucking smashes the standee of himself <laughs> shit that's awesome i i i lost it at that part too. i would have no problem seeing this movie again i'm gonna see it again for just, sure i want just Ryan to go that. see it so bad oh um, dude let me know when you're seeing it i would like to watch it with you and so we could try to like point things out like if you catch something that i might have missed or yeah. vice versa so we talked about it might have been when we did the trailer park for this but <laughs> i informed you of quentin tarantino's foot fetish oh it was, yeah so did you notice it in this movie um ever since you've said that i cannot not notice it in everything, everything right yeah I think this is the most feet he's ever had in Agreed his movie. With it. Yeah. Dude, this Dakota with- Fanning pointed somewhere with her foot. Yeah. And then the hippie girl pussycat had her feet like up against the window. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's a lot of feet. Yeah. A lot of feet. A lot of us. feet. <laughs> yeah. That I know ever since you said, I'm like, I cannot see this now. Yeah. Sorry. I fucked that up for you. At one point, like I think it was just after the girl put her feet up on his dashboard. Oh no. Cause then also when they're showing like the hippies in the house, like all you could really see are like the back of people's heads and like their feet in the middle of the room. Mm-hmm. And then Megan leaned over. She went, Quentin Tarantino's foot fetish is really apparent in this movie. Yeah. I'm like, that's a really astute <laughs> observation that you're on point. Like that needs to be an audience review. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Five stars. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, yeah. I, the only negative I really have is I felt like Sharon Tate was a little underutilized or possibly overutilized. I don't know it because because she's necessary for the movie, so I don't really know. But yeah. the movie's a little bit long, and I feel it like is long, and I feel like in there you can you could have made some changes. It's that's t- it though. It's tough because I wish I got more performance out of Margot Robbie because she's an amazing actor yeah. and she's like when she is in like a serious role or like she needs to be like funny or witty or like she's just got it down she's mm-hmm. amazing but knowing the story I actually prefer that she wasn't in it more I think it works perfect for what the end game is of it mm-hmm. and not having her be the focal point really helped in that twist for me like because the whole time I'm just like it's going to be so crazy when just this poor thing. And she's just like so sweet. Anytime you see her in the movie, she's just like free spirited and like having fun. Yeah. And like they've got her dancing at like the Playboy Mansion and stuff like that. Like, yeah. And she like when she goes to see her own movie. Yeah. And she's like hearing people laugh at like her scenes. And that stuff, part was and so great. Yeah. Like, man, really, really good. And yeah, I think her not being utilized as much as she was, was one, obviously a conscious decision. Mm-hmm. But I think it served the greater good for this entire story. I, I think so too. I like I said, if 
I'm saying I would have liked to have seen her a little bit more. It's only just because Margot Robbie's phenomenal. Yeah. And I, and I would like to see more of her. Well, we'll see but more I, of her in Ready or Not. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you just mentioned another thing that I really liked. There's a couple scenes where actors are watching themselves on like TV or in the movies and stuff. Yeah. Loved all those scenes. The scene where Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt are watching like one of their episodes. The FBI show. And, he, and yeah. he's basically just like, oh, here I come. And like, like yeah. and then uh, you hear Brad Pitt. He says something like, oh, nice shot or something like, like that. Like, that's, that's a cool shot. That's a cool like, shot. Yeah. Through the cracked windshield and everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I bet you that's a thing that like actual like actors do is they like will turn on their action wait for them to come up on screen and stuff like that. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that was that was a nice touch. You, you got anything else that you want to you want to get in on her? No, no, I feel really good that we got to talk about this. Yeah, me too. This is one of the times where this year I've been super excited about something and it did not let me down, and I've just yeah. been like, dude, it's basically God. just been like this John Wick Endgame. This John Wick and like, Endgame have not let me down, but then like Glass was a huge disappointment, and Godzilla. Oh my God, Godzilla was Dark right. Phoenix. You want to talk about disappointments? Yep. Yeah. Jeez, yeah, but this is a good way to wind down the summer cram because the only thing after this now is Hobbs and Shaw. You know, mm-hmm. so crazy. I, but... I did want to say this. Do you think that Leonardo DiCaprio would be nominated for Best Actor for this? I could see that. Do you think I could definitely see that? I I think so too. I think and I think Brad Pitt would get Best Supporting Role. Possibly, yeah. I was trying to think about it. The only performance by an actor, granted, we haven't seen everything, but the best performance that I've seen, and we've seen a lot of movies. I mean, we're both I'm over 80 now. Yeah. Taron Egerton. Yeah. And Leonardo DiCaprio. That's honestly it. I would assume that this gets a nod. I'm not sure if it'll be nominated, but definitely on the shortlist for best uh, original screenplay. Oh, yeah. What else? Us. Us. I feel like Us could get a a nom for that. I mean, Get Out did. Get Out was definitely a highly regard, more highly regarded than us, I think. Yeah. Farewell. It's probably gonna be nominated for a lot from what I'm hearing. Oh yeah. Oh, I really want to see that. Yeah. You want to get to Tomato Tomato on this? Yes, I want to know. I don't want to be disappointed by these numbers. Uh, you might be. Oh great. <laughs> <laughs> tomato. The critics are bringing this in at an 84. Okay. Tomato. The audience bringing this in at 72. What? Mm. Yeah. 72. 84 to 72. Okay, well, I'm going tomato. Tomato as well. I gave it an A. Mine's an A also. Two nice. X's in a row that were just identical. That's perfect. Yeah. Honestly, if it was a little shorter, might probably would have been an A plus for me. Yeah. The length is the only thing that like, especially, you know what? This this grade might actually change when I watch it a second time because when I watched it the first time, when you don't know what the payoff or what the goal is of the movie, it does drag a little bit at times. Yeah. Knowing the payoff now when I rewatch it, I'm probably just going to just love every second of it. Yeah, definitely. And there's a, a lot of eye candy to this movie that fills time. And I think it looks awesome. And craft-wise, it's a fucking masterpiece. Again, Also, with all of Tarantino's movies, the dialogue is just phenomenal. Like, Oh, nobody no one's does dialogue better than him. Yeah, no one's touching the writing in this. It's so good. This is probably the best written movie all year. Yeah, that's- Hands down, best best written movie all year mm-hmm. when i was watching it like like i said i just i was never bored with it at all and even though like it might drag in a few places here or there and it is long and you the first upon a first viewing you might not know where it's going i i still loved everything i was yeah. i was just loving it it was a real fucking good time yeah i do really want to see it again especially now that we're getting down to a season where movies are coming out a little bit further apart from each other so it's like Hey. The only movie that's playing as of tonight that I haven't seen is Hobbs and Shaw. I'm seeing it tomorrow morning. Yeah. I'm going to probably see it like early next week. That's how I'm going to start my day. <laughs> I'm going to be fist pumping all the way out of the theater. I'm going to be, 
Dude, that's like waking up at 3 a.m. and drinking four Monster Energy drinks. Yeah. <laughs> you I'm, should do it. I'm just going to be like, oh, what is it, 9.30? You know what I need? A little dose of Fast and Furious spinoff action. <laughs> Let me get The Rock and Statham fighting a super-powered Idris Elba. The part that always kills me in the trailer is when he's literally holding a flying helicopter and, and like floating it car- down yeah, it's like, so stupid oh dude it's gonna be insane i'm super excited it's gonna be ridiculous i'm not expecting a good film but i entertaining almost, film should be had I, though yeah i almost feel like it's gonna score way too high for me <laughs> i feel like i know like i feel like i'm gonna go and be like i know this is an f but this is a fucking A. <laughs> this movie was so fun. So I, I hope that doesn't happen. But yeah, no, I'm confident that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, solid A for me. Yeah, solid A. This is, It's one of my favorites, obviously based on the grade, but like, mm, I don't know, man. If I see this again and I love it, it might be it might top end game. I don't wow. know. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's pretty big. It is pretty big. It's pretty big. I don't know. Well, speaking of topping things and uh, how much we love this movie, do you want to start working down our top 10 for Quentin Tarantino? Yep. So Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> I was going to say, we fully acknowledge he has nine films. Yes. But we're doing there 10. There's 10 releases. There's 10 releases, so we're doing that instead. Right. Also, a top 10 sounds nice and round. Also, number. I'm just saying this. I am the most, out of all the times we've done a ranking, I think yeah. besides maybe our Dirty 30 episode, this is the one I'm most excited for because I think this is going to be the most different. Yeah, this is this one because this is tough. Like, all, there's a lot that are really close together, and I think me and you also feel differently about certain movies. Like, Honest, I know that already. Honestly, my top seven is a tie for first place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Honestly, my top seven, I love all of them. Yeah, my top seven is all A to A pluses. Yeah, I mean, I don't even think I think there's only one movie I would give below like a. Maybe like a B or B minus too, but we'll we'll, we'll go yeah. there. Do yeah. you, so do you want to go first or should I? I'll go first. All right, let's work it down. Number ten. My number ten is Death Proof. Same Z's. I had a feeling that was gonna be the same. Yeah. My number. Yeah. And you know what's funny? That's how I got that review right because it's actually exactly kind of how I feel about Death Proof. It doesn't quite feel like a Tarantino movie. Yeah. In the sense of like, especially when you work down the rest of this list, like how distinct and unique those feel. Like I feel like death proof kind of stands outside of it. And that's why we had a lot of trouble figuring out if he considers it part of his nine. Yeah. It's funny. Like basically any Tarantino movie, if I was like walking through the room and it was on, I'd look at it and I'd be like, Oh shit. And I just sit down and start watching it. Cause you have to, cause they're just yeah. that good. That's the one. Like I had it on today actually. And like, I barely watched it. Yeah, I had it playing in the background. It was just like whatever because I wanted to jog my memory on it, and I totally it just, got it. It doesn't do much for me. So number ten is Death Proof. Cool. Number nine, and I feel like this might surprise people. Okay. Jackie Brown. Same. Oh really? Yeah. Oh damn. Yeah. If this is the same. I'm gonna and be a little bit. And upset. it's not even that Jackie Brown is bad at all. Yeah. That movie's great. Mm-hmm. But when you look at the next eight of them, it's like whoa dude yeah i told you i watched it for the first time two days ago yeah and i enjoyed it there was just something about it like the humor didn't hit like a normal tarantino movie would for me and like the tension wasn't there like it would be for a normal tarantino movie yeah no and i don't know if that's really the point of the movie 
it, like, it's very different from it, it is he, very he didn't different. do any other movies that were like it yeah and like just that type of movie like a heist type movie and i like just people backstabbing each other back and forth like that genre doesn't really do much for me yeah I so got like you. that's why that's why it's a little bit lower okay number eight for you then number eight the hateful eight same oh really yeah See, after the way you're talking about it, i thought it was gonna be hard yeah, oh, this sucks, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we're going to be jumbled when we when we get past this point. Okay. But yeah, Hateful Eight just watched it today. I fucking loved it. That being said, Tarantino's other movies are no slouches. So it's like really hard to make this list. But yeah, Hateful Eight is really my number two. And the rest of these movies are number one. Oh, okay. You know what I'm I mean? like, what, what, like, no. Seven, seven through one is all tied for first. Hateful Eight is number two with <laughs> okay. a bullet. All right. You had to put them in some order. Oh, dude, that movie is so. I loved it. I yeah. loved it. And that's another one that's I think really you like long. It more than me, but yeah. It's really long. It's two hours, 47 minutes. I was riveted from beginning to end. There was I didn't feel bored at all. I, it did not feel like 2 hours 45 minutes because the again, the dialogue and you have such an ensemble and they're in every single scene because they're in a tight space. This movie has really good tension like I was oh, talking about. Some of the best. And some and, of the best. Yeah, and I love like the trapped in the a whodunit room with, of it. Yeah, like, like the whodunit. So good. All, they're all scumbags. Like, you don't like anybody yeah, in this Everyone's movie. such a piece of shit. Because, <laughs> like, you want to like Samuel L. Jackson's character. Because, pretty much for the whole thing, he's been like pretty cool and like everybody's calling him the N word. So you like sympathize with him. And you find out that he basically like mouth raped this dude's son. And you're just like, oh, you're also a scumbag. Yeah. Like, I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Oh, so good. And every single word of that movie is so carefully chosen and like delivered perfectly. It's a dialogue, man. It's so good. That movie is and again incredible. another like great ensemble cast. Yeah, my number seven, Kill Bill Volume Two. And here's where we change things up. Okay, I said Django. Oh wow, yeah, that's surprising. I really like Django. Love I love it. Love Django. Leo's performance in it, incredible. Christoph Waltz, Jamie Fox, fucking so charismatic, whoa. awesome. Yeah, he, yeah, like the shootout sequence at the end of the movie, just oh, so good. But these some of these other movies kind of uh, kind of a a big deal for me. Yeah. So Kill Bill Volume Two is there for me just because mainly just because I like the other ones more. That's how these work. This yeah. Is, these lists. I actually I I'm happy that we're doing Kill Bill One and Two separately because I love Kill Bill One. Yeah. I really like Kill Bill Two. Okay. Like I I, got I you. think there is a big divide, and we'll get to it later. But there's one sequence in the first one that I'm just like I, I'm in love with. I, yeah. I could watch it all the time. My number six, Pulp Fiction. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. Um. <laughs> wait a minute. What? <laughs> yeah. My number six is Pulp Fiction. Um. Okay, I guess. <laughs> that that I think is everyone's favorite. I yeah. A lot of people. A lot of people probably say it's their number one favorite movie of all time. Yeah. People and you I pe put it at number six. Yeah. People all the time I know they're like, this is a once in a lifetime like like thing. Like movies like this don't come around. I watched it. I really liked it. But there's just other movies I like I like more. I like the story more and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, man. It's all right. My number six is Kill Bill Volume Two. Okay. So I wasn't too far off from you. Yeah. I know you love all the Kill Bill movies though. I was I yeah. was wondering. Oh, where I love Kill Bill. Land. 
My number five, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Five. Right in the middle. Hit me. Yeah. And that's still very much not an indictment. I mean, listen to the movies we've already done that are on the bottom five. Mm-hmm. And they're fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're all <laughs> bangers. My number four, Kill Bill Volume 1. Wow. My number four, Inglorious Bastards. Ooh. See that that one? You th- yeah, you think so? Yeah, you think so? The scene I was talking about in Kill Bill Volume One, the animated sequence. Oh, love it! That's amazing. And when she's fighting the crazy eighty eights, mm-hmm. and just all the dismembered <laughs> fucking bodies everywhere. Where? Yeah, that part's amazing. Like, I love it. the action's very hokey in it. Oh, when she when she's just like those of you left with your life, get out of here. Believe your your lost limbs behind those are mine now yeah so good (laughs) such a badass and then the whole ending where like when she fights her and then like just like slices the top of her dome (laughs) the way that the way they the way they play it out though like if you haven't seen it before it looks like she got decapitated yeah and then they show her head and she's talking you're like wait why is this like a like a dream and then they show what happened you're like "Oh, Oh, oh shit yeah number three for me reservoir dogs I don't think I can do this podcast with you. <laughs> I really need to rethink <laughs> our friendship. Okay. Uh, so your one and two okay. is my three and six. Well, my number three is Kill Bill Volume 1. Okay. Because I don't know what to say to you about your number three choice. I okay. don't know what to do. Did you write that review you read me? <laughs> that was mine. How did you know? <laughs> yeah, that was it. You're making it sound like I don't like Reservoir Dogs. Or Pulp Fiction. You're a piece of shit and you have no taste. I'm sorry. <laughs> Reservoir Dogs is amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. Totally cool. I will defend my number one. Oh, okay. Well, hit me with your number two before you get that far. Django Unchained. Okay. Good for you. I really, really like Django Unchained. Honestly, I think that Reservoir Dogs is a better movie than Django. Yeah. Django just... I, I like the action in it. Like, I love... Uh, the Western theme to it. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Your number one is Inglorious. Mm-hmm. Listen, I love that movie, but number one, I number would, one, I would argue that we haven't had a movie build tension the way Inglorious Bastards does in the last 10 I'll years. I'll give you that. It is surgical, it is phenomenal. Yeah. You don't, and it's not just even, it's not like, man, that one scene. It's the milk scenes. scene. The the oh, card scene, the, the, the opening dinner scene. scene, yeah, yeah, that's your, the, the milk scene, like yeah, that the payoff at the end. Like and at that point, I had not known Christoph Waltz at all. He's phenomenal in it, untouchable, unfucking touchable. I've never seen a performance like that. Dude speaks like six languages in that movie, mm-hmm. and oh, his character is wild. The, the the violence is like out of control. Like yeah, even like the bear juice scene is like yep. And there's a lot of a lot of comedy in it, mm-hmm. and you get Brad Pitt being charismatic as all hell. Yep, it is a great movie. But holy crap, it's your number one. It's my number one. I I can't remember if that was my number one from that year or not. I think it was when we were doing our Dirty when, Thirty one. When episode. we did our Dirty Thirty, almost every year that we were alive, when a Tarantino movie was released, was our number one. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like, and Glorious Bastards was my was my favorite that year. It's one of my favorite movies ever. No, I don't blame you. Like I said, I think Reservoir Dogs is a better movie than Django. I just like Django more. Well, you know there's two movies that I haven't listed yet. Yeah, I know what they are. So do you want to guess which one's my number one and number two? I'm going to say your number one is Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. Just based on my outrage? 
Um, no, I think I think I got the the vibe that you like that one better. Yeah, especially when we did our Dirty Thirty episode, I, that was I got that vibe. Oh, okay. Yeah, Reservoir Dogs is one of the greatest movies ever made. Period. Yeah, just it's awesome. Just period. That movie is in my top three. Really? Okay, yeah. I didn't know it was that high. Yeah, top three. If we did a if we did a top ten of like all time, if a top ten of all time, Inglorious Bastards would be on it. I don't think Inglorious would make my top ten. It would, I think it would make my top like 20 or 25, depending if I like started to break it down. That would be interesting to do. If we did a top 10, I think the only Tarantino movie that would be on it would be Bastards. Really? But if we did a top 15, I think Django and Reservoir Dogs would both be on it. Wow. Yeah, no, Reservoir is like top three all time for me. Yeah. It's the first Tarantino movie I ever saw. It's one of the first like R rated movies I was allowed to see. Because there was such an appreciation in in the household form, like my mom loves Tarantino, mm-hmm. and she that she's like one of the earliest ones she let me watch, and basically had to like tell me like, you are not allowed to say the words you hear in this movie, <laughs> but this movie is really good and you will like it. Yeah, and that movie legitimately changed my life forever. It shaped it shaped so much about like my humor and like the rest of the movies that I seeked out like after that, like that movie provided so much culture to my life that I was completely unaware of up until that point. So yeah, Reservoir Dogs is fucking amazing. Yeah. That whole opening scene where they're at the diner and everything and the whole thing with Steve Buscemi is like, yeah, I don't tip. Yeah. Like, I got three words to tell you. Learn to fucking type. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, like, you see, this is a violin playing for the, all the waitresses in the world. <laughs> I, I had one more question. Unrelated, well, I guess it ties in Reservoir Dogs a little bit, but Quentin Tarantino sitting at the table in, the, in that first scene. Yeah. he's Is he in all of his movies? Does he make an appearance in all of them? Because I know he's in Django. No, he doesn't make an appearance in all of them. Okay. Because I was trying to find him in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I didn't see him. He wasn't in this. Okay. And he wasn't in, well, he was definitely in Pulp Fiction. He's, he's a narrator in Hateful Eight. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even catch that. Narrator in Hateful Eight. He's oh, in yeah, Django. Yeah. Yeah, he's in Django. Um, I didn't. I don't remember if he's makes an he's, appearance in, I think in he's Bastards in, or not. I think he is. He is. I'm pretty sure. So I'm pretty he, sure he plays a Nazi. Okay. See, I thought that was the thing. I thought he liked to like show up in all of his movies, but I I did not see him in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So and I don't, I don't remember if he had a part. I'm sure he was in one of the Kill Bills, but I I, I didn't think see he was him. in both. And I watched both of those today. Oh, so then maybe he wasn't in those at all. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there you go. And I don't think he was in Death Proof. I don't yeah. think he popped up in there. I'm also not as familiar Same. with like every scene from that movie. So, you know, if I'm wrong, you guys can let us know, I guess, or you can keep it to your fucking self. <laughs> but, so so the the first time that our lists are like pretty different, um, you flipped out on me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very sensitive subject to talk about. Tarantino holds a huge place on my heart. Like I talked about like my horror influence and like, you know, I wanted to get into film like going into college and everything like that. George A. Romero, Quentin Tarantino are like the epitome of what I love. I don't want to sound like a snob, but he's like, he's a real filmmaker. Yeah. Like he's a legit real filmmaker. Like you got to like put him up on a pedestal with the greats. Oh yeah, definitely. And like, I think he's one of the most unconventional directors also. Like he does not, he does everything outside the box. There's a lot of things that he does that like, 
I bet you in film school they'd be like, don't do that. And then he's just doing it and it like works. He, ac- he's he actually, it. that makes a lot of sense that he would do it that way. Like somebody asked him in an interview and was just like, did you go to like film school for any amount of time? He went, no, I didn't go to film school. I went to films. <laughs> Basically, he's just like, no, you fucking idiot. Like, I just watched <laughs> movies, and I was like, I'm going to make movies. Yeah. What a, what a dick, I guess. <laughs> it's like, but it's awesome. It was like, a, it was like a genuine question. You didn't have to answer it like an asshole. But yeah. yeah, it totally makes sense when you like know more about him. He said something like kind of similar with how he like flat out shut down a question. Apparently, someone asked him like- Something about the violence in his films, because he hates that. No, I- I- I want to hear what you have to say about that in a second. But the, they asked, someone asked him in like a media scrum before Once Upon a Time in Hollywood came out. I think I think based on the trailers, they were like getting the vibe that like Sharon Tate wasn't going to be in it a lot. And they're like, it looks like your movie is just going to be like a male centric movie. Like, why isn't there like more women? In it? And then he literally just says he said something like, I rebuff your hypothesis. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, oh, he said. Yeah, that. He, he does. He does a lot of stuff like that. So wait, what, what are people like with oh, violence when he gets he gets questioned about like, oh, well, there's like a lot of like over the top violence and stuff like that. You don't see that having a negative impact. And he goes, no, I don't see that at all. Uh, he says that a lot too. He's like, I that's, reject that's, your. That's hy- what it was. It was I. I, I reject, reject your, your hypothesis. hypothesis. Yeah. Like he's he loves using that. Yeah. He's just like no. He's like your question is irrelevant. Your que- I'm not answering it. Yeah. And they're like, oh, because you don't want. He's like, no, because I've answered it a hundred times before. And if you wanted to ask it a good smart interview you wouldn't ask me questions that have been asked me 50 times before this <laughs> you can go back and watch the last 10 years of my movies 20 years of my movies and find the exact same question asked every time one of these comes out so why don't you just take a copy out of that one and just fuck off and he's just like walks out of there he's just like you know fuck you it's like I'm not answering about my violence you know who I am you know what you're getting into show up or don't I don't give he, a shit I didn't make it for that he's got like like yeah like a lot of his movies are very violent but then there's other movies that really aren't very violent like yeah for sure like jackie brown doesn't really have that much violence in it it's got one person getting shot off camera or two Mm -hmm. people getting shot off camera yeah well even the blood and stuff in pulp fiction even though there are a few different scenes that are pretty graphic it's not over the top it's not the same as like when you kill bill is very very bloody but also it's very theatrical too right but kill bill's like the start of that like he's like i'm gonna use buckets of blood on every movie because same thing with django like body parts exploding and stuff Mm -hmm. same thing in fucking inglorious bastards and now you get it in this movie too yeah but you don't get it a lot in this one either though. well it doesn't happen a lot but when there is blood it is bloody yeah when i was watching this i was kind of like this is definitely low on like the like the violence and like gore like chart and then really the last like 10 15 minutes of the movie yeah so good Mm -hmm. definitely go out and see this movie yeah, you gotta. And I haven't, I haven't mentioned the budget and box office and all that, but like, hasn't made its money back yet. It's only been a week. It only, it has only been a week, and I don't know if it's released overseas. I think it might only be over here. Okay. It cost ninety million to make, which I actually felt like that was like a little bit of a budget considering the cast on it. Yeah. I was just like, damn, you got all these like A-listers on here, and only cost you ninety million, and like, really good. Your camera work and like, like the setting and all this is impeccable. Like, wait, way to stretch your budget, buddy. But it's at fifty-five million right now. Oh, wow. Okay. So it'll make it. It will. It's Tarantino. Yeah. It'll make it. I will be seeing it again. Uh, me too, man. We'll be there. But cool, man. Yeah. Good time. Yeah. We've been holding that in for a little, little, little while now. Yeah. I saw this almost a week ago. So I've been like holding it in for yeah. a while. I only saw it a few days and no, ago. But... Nobody I know has seen it other than Brianna, who I went and saw it with. Yeah. That's so, crazy. And it was like, the, we saw it on a Saturday night and then like all that night and then all of Sunday we were just talking about it. Yeah. And then like, I got home and like 
I've been able to say shit to anybody about it. <laughs> so, well, if you guys out there have seen it and you're looking for someone to talk to about it, go ahead and talk to us. Yeah. Hit, hit us up on social media. Hit us up on twodudesmoviereviews.com and get involved, get interactive with our uh, our online presence. And yeah, answer your tomato tomatoes and stuff like that. That helps us know like how our listeners respond to these because maybe you guys completely disagree with both of our rankings of Tarantino's movies. I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of hate. <laughs> yeah, I feel like even me too. I put Django pretty low on that list. And the, that movie's great. The thing like, I, I kind of stand by Reservoir Dogs being in like the two to three range. Mm. I think most people love Pulp Fiction. Like, I think that would be most people's number ones. Yeah, I feel like that's almost like a unanimous number one for yeah. the majority of folk. Mm-hmm. But that's fine. You can have that opinion. That's not even that bad. I put it at number two, so I ain't, I ain't mad at you. Okay. <laughs> but you you and me got problems. We're going to talk about it after we're done. Okay. After we're done here, which is uh, basically right now. So you ready for the throwdown? Yeah, I guess so. I'm going to sharpen my, my knife and shit. I'm going to sharpen my hands. Okay. <laughs> my hands are like knives. You're like the Terminator the Terminator uh, 2 villain? The, T, the T-1000? Yeah. Yeah, that's me. I kick with my hands and I punch with my feet. <sighs> so good. Yeah. That's a that's a different movie for a different time. You could actually read Colin's review, written review of that on our website, The Art of Self Defense. But yeah, yeah. One one last thing. Yeah, hit me. Contest. Oh yes, the contest. Leave us five star written reviews on Apple Podcasts, mm-hmm. and we're giving away free stuff. Yep. Once we hit fifty reviews, we're getting there. We're pretty close. Very Once we close. Hit that, we're gonna do a raffle for some free two dude swag, whether yeah. it be a t shirt, towel. We don't know. It's gonna be and, something though. And I found a DVD case in my trunk the other day of Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, and the only disc in it was the special features. Oh, that sucks. So I think we're going to sign that and add it to the (laughs) gift box. So you guys can get the special features for Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, on DVD. Nice. Not even (laughs) Blu-ray. DVD. All right, you swampies. You already know what to do. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. Suck it, swampies. (laughs) 